Beer with Buffy is a retro-analytical love roast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and its spin-off Angel. If you'd like to support our show financially, you can find us at patreon.beerwithbuffy.com. Don't forget to review us on iTunes if you like what you hear. A couple hundred years ago, the only thing you had to worry about was a hangover. You're telling me you're an investigator? More or less. Today, because of your curse thingy, you can't sleep with anyone. I'm not a teen. I'm your boss. Or else you might feel a moment of true happiness. You got already an addiction to the brooding part of life. Lose your soul. Except for the bulk of it, where I was nearly tortured to death. Become evil again. You're a demon hunter. Rogue demon hunter. And kill everyone. It's fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Thanks, Cornelia. It's the worst room silence ever. Whatever. It's about as silent as it's probably going to get. Silence of the traffic and housemates' footsteps. Neighbors. They're they're neighbors. They do not live in the same apartment as I do. It really feels like they do, though. Yeah. Between the one that fucks loudly next door and the ones that argue next door. I said housemates, not roommates. Hi. Hey. Welcome to Ale with Angel. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. Today we're reviewing Angel Season 2, Episode 2, Are You Now or Have You Ever Been? I have not. And fuck you for asking. I have qualms with the name of this episode. (laughs) Did you want to expound on that right now or did you want to shove that hot dog directly up your fat ass? We'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I was not sure how to respond to such a thing. <laughs> to, I, I don't want to do either, actually. Kind of um, came out of nowhere. Uh, there is no hot dog, by the way. Um, yeah. I, I was imagining I a literal hot dog, by the way. It wasn't really a, a euphemism. Let, let, we're going to... Uh, hey. <laughs> So there's this episode of Conan O'Brien where he sends Jack Brayer to this hot dog stand in, I want to say, Chicago, where it's one of those places where they're mean to you on purpose. And they made him say that. He was like, did you want this to go or did you want to shove that up your ass right here? (laughs) And just hearing Jack Brayer say that was fucking gold. It's going to be a noisy cat episode. It is going to be a noisy cat episode because he has been an asshole all goddamn month because it's nice out. Well, cats are a reflection of their owners. What can I say? So, hey, Josh, how about that iTunes review? I've had better. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, no, the iTunes review. <laughs> Let me go ahead and pull that right up. Hey, guys, we got a new iTunes review, and I'm going to read it. So it's been a minute since we've had an iTunes review, and you know what this means, Rex? What's that mean? That means that you owe somebody a T-shirt. This T-shirt is going to go to the, the to the wonderful, excellent Lauren Jewell who reviewed us on March 27th, 2021, she says, Cheers to the hosts of the show. They're hilarious, and I think I agree with them at least 80% of the time. And dang it, <laughs> Joyce was doing her best in the early episodes, okay? Yeah, so about 80% of the time. That sounds about right. So I don't think you're going to swing us on that one. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Yeah, oh, she was doing her best, huh? <laughs> so her best was shit, is what you're saying. Just checking. Oftentimes, best isn't good enough. Right. If I have learned anything from my financial standings in, in life, that is that my best is not good enough. <laughs> Nowhere near good enough. Nobody settles for a pilot that's 
doing their best. <laughs> you know, there's a few bad apples, but for the most part, I'd say most pilots are probably going to get you where you're going. <laughs> no. no, in all reality, thank you very much for your review there, Lauren. Yeah, and- absolutely. Anybody that reviewed us, you get a free sticker. All you have to do, same as you, Lauren, email us, give us an address that you trust us with. We will send you that shit. Yeah. Okie dokie. Okay, and then... Never send strangers an address that you don't want them to stalk you at. Just don't do that. We're not going to stalk you. I promise. But isn't that what a stalker would say? <laughs> I'm fairly certain. <sighs> You're not helping any anything here, Josh. Moving on to our executive producers. Speaking of, Lauren Jewell, who we just read the review for... Is one of our executive producers. That's crazy. Along with Christina, Catherine Parkinson, Karen Moon, Chris V-Man. This person changed their name on us. Uh, it's now not Patrick JF this week. Oh, that's literally what they wrote? Yes. Not, not Patrick, Patrick JF, JF this week. I like that. Hilly Hilfman, Scarlett Choi, Janella Lindauer. Simo Pinty, Meredith McCaslin, Rose Clark, C and Quote Teeps, Andy Burgess, K Fronome, Father DeFenestrato, Methuen DeBurr, Kelly McAdams, Shuby Pathic, Jesse Rain, and Carrie Phillips. My God. Goddamn. That list is getting a bit much. That's a good list. I'm I love it. I love all of you. Thank you so very, very much. Without you, this show literally is not possible. Literally. Yeah, stuff and things. So that's all our Patreon supporters. If you want to support us for free, you already know how you can do that. Hit us up on iTunes. You get a free sticker. Yeah. And you don't have to give us your money. All you have to do is give us your words and your love. Or your hate, as long as it's five-star hate. <laughs> I love five-star hate I, mail. I kind of want to see someone give a five-star review that is just vitriol. Oh, don't. <laughs> don't tempt the internet, bro. I am fine with tempting the internet on that one. We're tempting you. <laughs> don't do it, man. Do it. Do it. No, don't do it. No, like some of, some of my favorite shit to watch on YouTube is when comics lash back at hecklers and shit like that yeah and, like that shit's hilarious no that's i mean what's that fucking guy's name lewis black all he does is uh hate blah blah he's just mad constantly yeah. and it's hilarious or it was for a while anyway so i guess it's it's time for bad wine yeah it's that time of the day everybody won't you taste some bad wine with me or something <laughs> it's bad wine tasting my brain Took that to a very dirty place. <laughs> you want Won't to taste? You taste my neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> Won't you taste my bad wine? That's Mr. Rogers in France. I don't know. Somebody. Uh, excuse me, but I think they do not have bad wine in France. Well, I think if you made bad wine in France, you would probably go to jail. Regardless, I'm not worried about offending the French. I'm fairly certain nobody likes the French. Even the French don't like the French. <laughs> so the wine I bought today, I felt like, was a fairly decent tie-in. Because it's called Old Soul. Did you? Yeah, that's... I assume yeah. you're laughing because you noticed previously? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. 
I I opted not to go the funny picture route because really there's only so many <laughs> bottles of wine with a funny picture on them. This is just a a tree icon thingy. Um, vintage, it's actually a very attractive bottle. It is vintage 2019. It's actually very classy looking. Estate grown Cabernet Sauvignon Lodi. There's so many words on these bottles <laughs> that I don't have a fucking clue what they mean. <laughs> Isn't this classy, guys? Don't you feel classier already? All right, get to the wine drink. We're talking about wine. I know, right? <laughs> it's like we're adults or something. <laughs> but we're not. No. Legally, <laughs> we will certainly be tried as adults. I don't think two mid-30s men who have a podcast about a show that aired 20 years ago have any right to say that they're adults. My point exactly. So... All right, it's poured. It doesn't smell like shit, which probably means it's going to taste like shit, which for those of you keeping track, that means it's got a good nose or an aroma. Oh, did you fuck it up again? Did you get good wine, Josh? No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. This is hands down the most complex wine I have found yet. I just got like... Four different blasts of flavor over the course of like. <laughs> so at first, I want to say it had kind of a bacony taste to it. I don't know that that sounds good. It tastes. You need to just try some. I, I don't want any wine. It tastes dark, like it's following you down an alley. <laughs> you know they're there. <laughs> they know that you know that they're there, but they're still hiding anyway. That's the front of this wine, and then, oh man. Oh, God, I wish I could recreate that. Yeah, no, just a, a lingering, delightful aftertaste as well. I almost even got a chocolatey note off of it. Yeah, it's like chocolatey, fruity bacon, but it's really subtle. Like, it mostly uh, just tastes like dead grapes. <laughs> See, and that's the thing for me. All wine just tastes like dead grapes. <laughs> yeah, but they somehow managed to, you know, I think this might... I think, I think that was an earthy tone. That's uh, that's where I was getting the dark alleyway thing. I'm pretty sure that you're just delusional. I'm just making shit up, mostly. <laughs> this is not how you teach yourself to taste wine, I'm fairly certain. Or maybe it is, I don't really know. <laughs> there was a funny post on Facebook one time that said, you know, I thought being an adult was going to be a whole lot more than just Googling how to do things. <laughs> Turns out, no. No. It's much like tech support in that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's not a very dry wine, but it's just dry enough. I really like them dry. A little bit flabby, I guess. Not not too much acidity. Wines are normally like 14%, right? So this is 13.7. It's average. It might have been a little bit oaky. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. Anyway, yeah, Old Soul. It's actually kind of a fun ride, guys. Give it a shot if you can find it. Okay, thanks. Bye. All right, it's that time again. It's time for us to summon the parents. Us, huh? Well, you know, I have a little bit of a part in it. It's the time to Not meet much. the Fockers. <laughs> God, I hate that movie. <laughs> Joshua, what the hell are you doing, you lazy little bastard? Christ, I think you've been getting into the old soul there, old man. <laughs> yeah, whatever. It's not like you'd understand, Dad. But let's just say... I've got some past demons to take care of today. Yeah, you're right. I wouldn't understand. Well, what's not to understand? It's like skeletons in the closet. Have you been going through my closet? I'll fucking kill you. 
Whoa, 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 no. <laughs> I've been afraid to even say the word closet to you for years because of how uncomfortable you get. And then you always start asking me about my girlfriends. Listen, I don't have any girlfriends in my closet, okay? And who asked you? I never thought you did. Goddamn. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works anyway, really. What the hell is that supposed to mean, you little bastard? God, Dad, you're so paranoid. Shut up and go kill your demons or whatever it is. Yeah, I will. Just like Angel does on this episode, both literally and figuratively. Because he tells Cordelia and Wesley to research that hotel that he happened upon last episode. Hard air quotes. Meanwhile, we get to see all kinds of flashbacks about him meeting this woman named Judy, who was on the run from a private investigator because she robbed a bank because they found out she's actually half black, even though she passes for white. And everyone else in the hotel is also freaking out because this Thessulac demon made some guy commit suicide, and they all think it was a murder, and it turns into an angry mob of people that hangs Angel, but he's fine, obviously. But instead of helping them with the Thessilac demon, he gets all butthurt and leaves them to the mercy of the Thessilac demon for 50 years. Then he kills it in the present, and now they've got a new place of business. Hooray! The end. <laughs> yeah. Also, Wesley's slightly paranoid. No. One might even say, especially. <laughs> Ladies, gentlemen, spiny-headed bitches. As soon as the sun goes down, down, down. Oh, so we open on Cordy's apartment where Wesley and Angel are discussing the hotel, the Hyperion. The Hyperion? Yes. Yeah, that. Uh, it was built in the 1920s. There's a dark, dark history of this hotel. Yeah, it's it's Spanish and deco influenced, so you know it must be from the twenties. <laughs> Duh, <laughs> obviously. Cordy comes in, gives them their beverages, and apparently has gotten. I'm sorry, creative. It's pronounced beverages. <laughs> so somebody told me one time, and I believed them. I would actually find it really humorous if somebody legitimately did say that. That would be great. I just did. You're welcome. <laughs> I meant said it and meant it. So she gives them their beverages. Yes, and uh, she's been getting a little creative with the blood by putting cinnamon in it. The blood. That sounds so terrible. Right. Or like Christmas for a vampire, <laughs> which sounds like burning. They're researching the hotel and Angel's like, oh, there is no client. I just won't look into the place. Yeah. Do it. Do it now. I'm the boss. I said so. Yeah, for reasons, damn it, Wesley. <laughs> Do your fucking job and shut up. I want to know everything. Angel doesn't pay you to think. So, cut to the 20s. Yes. There's this fucking bellboy, and he's super scared of this creepy guy, apparently, that this in room 217 he's that he has dead to- Dead eyes. He has to go deliver, like, a message to him or something. Yeah, there's nothing I, there. I <gasps> did not look it up, but this f the fucking actor who plays the bellboy, I've seen him in a few things, and he always plays this kind of squirrely dude as he is here. But like, he didn't play the bellboy in the Hudsucker Proxy, did he? I have no idea what the fuck that even is. Because I'm sure you saw it. It's Tim Robbins. It was made the same year as Shawshank. No, it doesn't ring a bell at all. Huh? Hula hoops? No. 
<laughs> would an idiot draw this? And it's, he just holds up a picture of a circle. And they're like, what? <laughs> no. Doesn't ring a bell at all. Okay, never mind that. I mean, outside of Shawshank Redemption, what more would I need from that year? The Hudsucker Proxy. Apparently. It's actually a pretty good movie. Check it out. But the Shawshank Redemption is the best movie. It's way better, definitely. <laughs> Hudsucker Proxy is still pretty good. Anyway, this guy, he's he's played a few squirrely characters. And well, the reason he I does bring, it really well. Yeah, the reason I bring it up is because there's a bellboy character in the Hudsucker Proxy who's ten times squirrelier than this bellboy. Oh, really? Yeah, and I think this bellboy is specifically referencing that bellboy. When did that movie come out? And he's not very good at it. I just told you, the same year as Shawshank, 94. Maybe, maybe. Because he's... I, I can't even explain it, but he's he's always running the elevator, and he's just really annoying, but he does it on purpose. He's one of those fuckers. Ah, uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, we see him head up to the fucking, was that second floor? Must be the second what, floor, because it's room, room 217. Yeah, 217. So, heads up to the second floor, goes to 217. I love this bit where he, like, knocks on the door in the most inaudible way possible, so that he can say he did, and... Because he's delivering his bill. Telegram. Telegram. <laughs> he really had that voice, though. Mm -hmm. like, telegram. Telegram. <laughs> he knocks on the door as quietly as he can. He's like, oh, I'll just leave this here. And he <laughs> runs to the fucking elevator. And he's like, pressing the button. And then... Tap, tap, tap. Rue, I see you're not home. I'll just leave this there. Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> and he bolts to the elevator and pressing the button, trying to get the doors to close as quickly as possible. Who should step out from the hotel room? But... Angel. Yeah, not gun this time. It should have been gun. So last time we were expecting Angel and it was gun. But it's 1952. And now we're expecting somebody else, but it's Angel. And I'm like, ah, geez. They just, they're all over the place here. I, but I it just, is 1952. I just want to know what is wrong with this bellboy that he can look into those eyes and see soullessness? Right, he had his fucking like, soul. Have you seen David Boreanaz's eyes? I think he was like, just scared those, of... Those dreamy, dreamy, broody eyes? Yeah, he was just scared of how lost he got in those yeah. eyes. It wasn't that like, there was nothing there. There was too much there. That makes sense. <laughs> Obviously, everybody's racist and homophobe yeah. in this whole fucking episode. Because it's the 50s. Which, you know... I guess that's accurate. You know, except like, for the black people and the gays. Yeah. Um, Opening credits. Alright, opening credits are over. <laughs> Cut to the hotel. Uh, it doesn't feel as good. Yeah, what are you going to do? Angel's having himself a little trip down memory lane at the hotel. Bitty trip. <laughs> Tiny bitty LSD trip. I mean, uh, weed anyone? No. Um, oh, this is before the 60s. A normal trip, like <laughs> physically traveling yes. through time and space. So anyways, <laughs> uh, we cut back to the 50s very quickly, and it's all quintessential 50s shit. Um, I wanted to say 1954, but... I wrote 1954 in my notes. I did too, but we're corrected later wrongly. Because we see this black and white TV playing, and this guy that we later learn is a screenwriter is watching the McCarthy hearings. Here's where my qualms with the title of the episode happens. Mm. Because they specifically, in the title of the episode, reference the McCarthy hearings. Is that what that was? 
Are you now or ever or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? Oh. And here's the fucking problem. The McCarthy hearings happened over the span of like four or five months in 1954. Firmly in 1954. And they keep saying after this scene that this is 1952, two fucking years before the McCarthy McCarthy hearings. So what that means is somebody on the fucking writing team was like, hey guys, we need a way to say like, look, it's in the 50s. So how about the McCarthy hearings? But nobody, fucking nobody bothered remotely to look up when the goddamn McCarthy hearings were. I get it. The McCarthy hearings are iconic to the 50s, but it was literally not even half a year in one year, in a 10-year span of time. Yeah. Well, it doesn't necessarily mean nobody bothered to look it up so much as whoever the head writer was didn't bother to look it up and nobody else bothered to correct him. What's worse is later they make it a point to mention... 1954 when they're like rearranging incidences and shit yeah they could have just not said anything or they could have easily just been like oh shit this is 1954 and just change the year and then the other shit is in 1956 anyway mccarthy hearings on the tv then the the concierge we see him lying to a family of black people saying that they don't have any vacancies. I know what the sign said, but we don't serve your kind here. Well, he didn't say that, but he did. The sign is just wrong. And he's yeah. like, oh, sure, it's wrong. Okie dokie. I kind of appreciated that they had something like that in the episode. I, I love that they're not painting the 50s like it was this hunky dory golden era. Right. Which right. in ways it was, but it was also fucking. The time of beating your wife and being an alcoholic, and it was completely normal. The 50s were a hunky-dory golden era in the way that, like, two people who really shouldn't be married anymore stay married for the children, and they're in a, quote, happy marriage. Yeah. It's a lie. Mm-hmm. The 50s were not happy. The only thing that made it hunky-dory was the fact that White people were fine. They were happy with it. Yeah, was the fact that the middle class had enough money to live comfortably. Yep. In fact, one could even say more than comfortably. Yeah. Because my grandparents never ran out of money. And in fact, uh, my parents are still, or my mother anyway, is still living off of it. Which I do want to say that for, for a hotel that is basically like filled with seedy people and like with questionable histories and such, it's a really fucking nice hotel. It's pretty swanky. It is a super swanky hotel for being filled with a bunch of people that don't want their past discussed and everything. Right. If this was painted as a hotel, but in the 90s, it would be the fucking Knights Inn that's down the street. It it would have been (laughs) like a fucking hostel. Yeah. Not a hotel. At the very most, a motel. Yeah. A Motel 6. So we follow Angel up to his room with a bottle of blood. Huh. This fucking blood. Apparently they labeled bottles of human blood in the 50s. What an extraordinary time it must have been to be alive. I, I don't say, look, honey, they have human blood. Extraordinary. <laughs> Isn't that nice, honey? <laughs> Sometimes you I just think... like to know what you're getting. <laughs> Hey, if you're a blood store, 
you, you should label your shit. Like, you don't want to <laughs> accidentally sell someone pig's blood when they're buying, they want human blood. That would be problematic like, at best. If someone's doing a sacrificial ritual that requires lamb's blood, you don't want to give them horse blood. Maybe I do, Rex. Well, maybe that, I did that just this afternoon. Well, that's rude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when working in customer service, you give the people what they order. If you do anything else, you're a terrible person. There's a there's a horse joke in there somewhere. I just wanted to watch their ritual go horribly wrong. I wanted to see a, <laughs> a lamb go... <laughs> or a horse go... <laughs> that one would be funnier. <laughs> anyway, we, we so we see Angel walking around the hall here, and like everyone's kind of side-eyeing everyone else. Everyone seems kind of suspicious. And that fucking twitchy-ass bellhop... Runs into Angel again, and he's yeah. all nervous about it. But Angel's opening up his door to his room, and he looks over his right-hand shoulder, and there's this adorable gay couple saying goodbye to each other. And as they see him looking, they quickly move to shaking hands instead of primping each other. Yep. And then quickly part ways. I'm like, yep, there's 50s for you. <laughs> uh, Honestly, the fact that they did any of that out in the hallway is kind of surprising for the 50s. Right? Like, You'd think they would have looked around and been like, oh, there's somebody in the hallway. Yeah. But I get it. Expository. Shit's dangerous. <laughs> right? Especially back then. Yeah. I mean, shit. Oh, shit could be dangerous today with all the fucking weird-ass crazy bastards we have around. No, it absolutely still is. A guy that I went to high school with got beaten to death in San Francisco. Yeah, like San Francisco? Right. For being gay? I don't know if it was for being gay or if he just got in a bad situation, mugged or whatever, but he was gay. I don't know the real circumstances. Yeah, that's still fucked up. It's really fucked up. The world's a dangerous place. There's vampires in it and everything. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that long ago that the fucking uh, Brokeback Mountain movie came out. Yeah. And while I've heard that that's horribly inaccurate in regards to gay relationships, it was, I think its heart was in the right place where it was trying yeah. to be like, hey, don't string people up and rip their dicks off with tractors because that's mean. Yeah. You know. Gay people are people. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much where they were going with that. Yeah. I don't want to share my feelings. I don't want to open up. I want to find the guy that killed Tina. And I want to look him in the eye. Then what? Then I'm going to share my feelings. So uh, he finally gets into his fucking apartment. He puts his blood on ice. You wouldn't think he'd want it on ice, but I guess that would help it keep better yeah. for the long run. It makes me wonder how much blood he has to go through in, in a given period of time. Because, like, that doesn't seem like a lot. I feel like he can probably stretch it as long or as short as he needs to. I mean, I know in Anne Rice anyway, and I also know that Spike mentions it at some point. Or it's when they had him tied up at Giles's place. He's like, have you ever seen what happens to a vampire that doesn't feed? It's not pretty. Basically, mm. they just become literal skin and bones eventually. But they're still alive because oh, they're God, immortal. Yeah. Okay. So feeding just keeps them healthy. It doesn't necessarily keep them alive. And in Anne Rice, have you read the Vampire Lestat or interview with a vampire? I read something from Anne Rice, and I have no fucking clue what it was. I didn't enjoy it very much. Okay, well, Lestat spent a solid, I want to say, like, 50 years 
buried alive and had to eat insects for years just to gain the strength to pull himself out of the ground. That sounds unpleasant. Yeah, so kind of the same story there. You just become literal skin and bones. Don't let it happen. It's bad. Right. So he puts the blood on ice and a woman steps out from his bathroom. Well, before that, we saw him in the hallway watching this guy talk to nobody in the yeah, hallway. Yeah, when he was cuz he was getting ice, he saw a guy talking to nobody, saw another dude going door to door like looking for someone. Yeah. Gets back into the room, puts his blood on ice, and this woman steps out of his his bathroom and she's pretending to be a maid, and this trick does not go over well. He's not buying it. Uh and he specifically says that she can't be a maid because you're not black. Well, he said you're the wrong color. Well, he specifically said there's not a there's not a trolley outside. Those sheets are dirty and you're the wrong color, mm-hmm. implying that they only have black maids in the hotel. And for the 1950s, yeah. Like that that makes sense. I wouldn't know, but I guess that sounds right. Um probably I'm a big space race nut, so okay. I know I read a fuck ton of shit about the 50s and 60s. Okay, I'll take your word for it. So, yeah, I mean, I knew the 50s were bad, but that really puts shit in perspective. Yeah. Like, how far have we come to think that that's just fucking nuts? But also, look at how much further we have to fucking go. I mean, my mom was born in 55. Yeah. And that's when the shit was going down. But it feels like an unfathomable time ago because it was 30 years before we were born. But it's still really not that long ago. Hell, 20 years feels like it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, I know. 20 years was a while ago. It's been a minute. Specifically, every now and then. 20 years worth of minutes. Yeah, every now and then someone's like, oh, 10 years ago. And I think, oh, the 90s. Nope. Yesterday, right? Yeah. (laughs) That's not how that works. So anyway, she spins this tale that she's hiding from her scary, scary boyfriend. And Angel's like, oh, don't care. All righty. I'm just going to help you right out the door. You can't leave. Oh, you can. Yes, yes. I'll show you how. (laughs) Do you need a tutorial? (laughs) Boy, howdy. (laughs) But as they're walking up to the door. I just happen to be an expert at walking through doors. (laughs) Okay, that's not entirely true, but... The Kool-Aid man busts in. I can help you with that. (laughs) (laughs) Need to get through a door. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But no, as they're walking. (laughs) Tutorial (laughs) aid. Shit. As they're walking up to the door, uh, we notice that the, the deadbolt lock moves and Angel opens the door to see the dude who was going asking around is kneeling at his door, picking the lock. Not before shoving Judy over into the opposite corner. Yeah. So that the door is blocking her. Yep. So this dude, he's trying to intimidate Angel. Angel no. doesn't flinch. No, it's, not even a little it's bit. It's fucking fantastic. Dude, like, flashes his gun and Angel stares him down and it's like, okay, fine. And, like, motions for him to come in. The dude starts to stroll forward like, yeah, you're right, I'm coming on in and... Angel fucking blasts him in the face with the door. Oh, man, he walked right into it, literally. (laughs) And this is the most accurate usage of the term slammed the door in his face because he literally did. Yeah. And not just closed the door while they were on the other side. 
But Which my, is usually what people mean by that. Yeah, but my favorite part is he ste- Angel steps out of the room, stops him from grabbing out his gun, twists his arm behind him, and then grabs the dude's ear <laughs> and then hauls him off to the elevator. It's not just something that mothers do with kids. It's no. also something that's very effective because it hurts like hell. Yeah. So he drags the dude off to the elevator and it happens to open up the bellboy. <laughs> Just in time, so Angel throws him down, throws him into the elevator. That poor bastard bellboy, he's going down. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, he's going down, down. He's floor one, please. Yes, yeah. Also, Cunnilingus. <laughs> we, they're well known. Judy's not into that. No, not with him. Definitely, well, she might be. Yeah, I mean, not with the. Oh right, the, right. The other guy. Judy's kind of all about it all of a sudden. Right? And she's like super grateful, but Angel's not having any of that either. No, he's got other better things to do. No, he has broody things to do. Yeah. Well, I think I'm pretty sure that's what I just said, Rex. (laughs) Better, better broody. Yeah. When you're better, you're broody. And it is brood o'clock, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. In this instance, he figuratively slams the door in her face. Indeed. And then we cut back to current timey time, same place, different time, (laughs) now time, where Angel, once again, has a good old 50 years later brood at door number 217. I like that the only differentiation between Angel in the past and Angel in present is literally his coat. His coat, that's it. That's it. (laughs) And... And it's all that's needed. His hair slightly. His hair is like, more forward and spiky, and it's he's got that quintessential fifties part yeah. in the fifties. But but it's mainly the coat. Yeah, they do a good number of little cuts between the flashback and flash forward. Oh yeah, get this. used to it because they do it the whole fucking episode. So we're back at Cordelia Investigations. Yes, where Cordy and Wesley dig up some grub on the hotel, mainly that it closed in the in 1979 at Shotgun Point when the manager <laughs> kicked everybody out. The or- concierge Ronald Meeks, who, by the way, is the concierge in the time when Angel is there. That's the dude who was turning away the okay, black the manager, people. the man that he's the concierge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought you were going to say something about Home Alone two for a moment. No, oh, that's too bad. That's where I learned the word concierge. I would love Tim Curry to be in this show. (laughs) That would be the best thing. It would. I love Tim Curry. We all love Tim Curry. (laughs) He's delicious. Especially especially on chicken. He'd probably like that. (laughs) So, yeah, closed in 79 because the concierge dude... Made, as they put it, made his wake-up calls with a shotgun. <laughs> yeah, killed day. all the fucking people staying in the hotel. <laughs> oh, I didn't gather that he actually killed them. I gathered that he just told them to leave at gunpoint. Nope, the wiki says he murdered them all. Oh, that's somehow more fun. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> <laughs> is there something wrong with me? What I particularly find it <laughs> clever is that they're talking about this dude who did this thing in 79, but in the flashback, he's also there. So, like, the entire time during the flashback, we can be like, oh, he's going to murder all these, a bunch of these people <laughs> <at> someday. <laughs> what a murderer. <laughs> 
somewhat of maroon. But yeah, it's been closed since 79. Yeah, and it's had a checkered past of violence and mayhem or something or other, starting from its very construction when a roofer jumped to his death, taking two co-workers with him. And then both... Cordy and Wesley come to the conclusion of what the fuck are they doing? What is the point? Damn you, Angelus! Oh, but wait, look at this picture of Angel from the 50s. <laughs> yes. And then they show us two completely different pictures. Yes. You notice two. Yes. Excellent. That is the thing. That is a thing I do. It's notice these stupid little details and then they bug me. They bug me so much. I thought you said they pug you. No. I don't think I've ever been pugged. I like pugs. I do like pugs. Yeah. But I don't think I've ever been pugged. Do you want to get pugged? I think that depends on what your definition of being pugged is. Oh, you'll see. I don't like your tone. Oh, you'll pug. I don't like your tone at all. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> but yeah, this is when we learned that Angel was there in 52. Yep. Because Cordelia's like, oh, well, look who was there. And, you know, I paused it before she even did that. And I was like, where's Angel? I know he's in this fucking picture. I don't see him. And then she's like, look, he's right here. And it's a super high resolution fucking Angel standing between two dudes that are talking to each other. And I backed up to the previous picture and I was like, there's no two dudes that are standing mm -hmm. in that configuration, nor is there a person in between them like a wobbly H. Okay. Yeah. Um, this, that is not what's going on here. He is in the first picture, but he's like a tiny blip in the background in comparison to the one right. they actually show us close up. Yeah. It's just one of those fucking continuity things that was really annoying. There's a few of those in this. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I think the issue was if they had showed us the close up one first, it would have been way too obvious. Right. Oh, well, yeah. So I think they did it on purpose, but um, not very well. So yeah, now they have a better idea of why they're researching the hotel. Now they just don't know why Angel didn't tell them, and they postulate that Angel was too ashamed to tell them of his connection to the hotel or something. A person needs certain designer things. You shouldn't be trying to eat my friend's brain. Hey, you're a vampire. Cut back to, what'd you call it? Old Flashback Hotel. Flashback Hotel. Old timey time at the hotel. Yeah, where I was surprised to see Angel smoking, but then I thought, oh wait, the 1950s, everyone smoked. Everybody smoked. And also, he's a vampire. Who fucking well, cares? Yeah. It's not going to hurt him. I'm aware. It was weird to see David Boreanaz smoking. Yes. I was like, ooh, yeah, guys, stop making your actors smoke. Just don't. Do you, now, so this is kind of a valid question I have about just being an actor and smoking. How often is it likely that an actor is asked to smoke, but they weren't a smoker in the first place? Because I've heard stories of actors who had to smoke for a role and then ended up becoming smokers because of the role. You know, like, I really wonder how often that happens as well. I don't really have... Many references to cite. The only one I know of for sure is Kevin Smith was not a smoker before Clerks, but also nobody asked him or told him to smoke for that role. Right. He was the director. He yeah. chose to smoke for that uh, role. He was the director, the writer. Yeah. The producer. And he became the cinematographer. He became a smoker because of the movie Clerks. Yeah. Other than that, the only reference I have is when I was doing directing class in college, 
our instructor actually gave us clearance that we could use cigarettes and smoking live lit cigarettes in our scenes if we wanted to, if we felt that it was appropriate to the scene. Wow. And so I did. Oh, God. <laughs> and, you know, I was directing because it was my it was di- right. directing class. And I felt so bad about it afterwards. It was a horrible decision because the guy playing the character that I wanted to smoke hated it. And I should have just cut it. It didn't need to be there. It would have been fucking fine without it. Um, but I had this stupid fascination with smoking. Uh, this was before I was even a smoker. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, it was. I wasn't a smoker until several years after college. Well, one or two. And uh, yeah, he hated it. And it, it showed that he hated it and wanted nothing to do with it. So that's why I'm saying don't do that to your actors. Just yeah, fucking that don't. Seems, that seems asinine now. Like David Boreanaz was convincing. If you, you know, and he might be a smoker. But also... He might have been a smoker at the time, or who knows? Do you see how pretty this man is? We don't need to ruin this man with no, smoking. No, Don't do that. We get it. Everybody in the 50s smokes. Yeah. Moving along. So, yeah, there's music coming from the room next door. And then we cut over to the room next door to see the dude who was talking to nobody in the hall back when Angel was getting ice. And he's talking to nobody in the room, too. Hmm. And he's listening to some jaunty polka music. Yeah, you know, I thought this was the the douchebag at the door that he threw into the elevator at first. I didn't realize this was the other guy from the hallway. But it's the other guy from the hallway. Yeah. He's listening to hoop-de-doo polka. It was a jaunty fucking tune. It was. (laughs) If you don't like that song, you're lying to yourself. (laughs) And (laughs) it was just the... I put this probably in the top 10 creepiest ways to die <laughs> or to commit suicide. Anyway, listening to the hoop de doo polka and talking to ethereal voices, which is awful. Yeah. I don't like it. Shoots himself in the head. The way they played it was brilliant. Angels just sitting there drinking his blood. We hear the gunshot, a thud, and the record starts skipping uh, specifically on the line. <laughs> I'll be high as a kite. I'll be high as a kite. <laughs> I'll be high as a kite. <laughs> oh my God. Or however the hell it went. Something like that. Cut back to his room where the concierge and bellhop uh, look in on the suicide. We did get a very brief glimpse of him back in today time. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then they transitioned right back into old timey time. Yep. It was kind of fun. This is the third suicide in as many months, as the concierge says. Sheesh, golly gosh. These carpets are so darned difficult to clean. If there's any moment where I think, hey, I think that character's a sociopath. (laughs) It's now, and it's the bellhop. He's a sociopath. Man, Maybe even a psychopath. Can't these guys just do it at home? Ugh. Yeah, they're a bit, uh, they're both pretty callous motherfuckers in this scene. Yeah. Uh, for being fucking hotel runners, but hey, that's customer service for you. <laughs> that's, that's all I chalked it up to. It burns out your soul. At the 50s were the time that gave everybody this fucking attitude of... The customer's always right. Exactly that. <laughs> the customer is generally mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the concierge hears a whispery voice that warns them that they'll get shut down. He's like, oh, we'll get shut down. Oh, no. you, we can't report it to the police. We'll get shut down. 
and let's hide him in the meat locker. No, they wouldn't. Right? It's a suicide. Whatever. I don't know. Morons. But obviously, it's not because he really believed that. It's because he was insecure about that, and the fucking demon is feeding on his insecurities. But we'll get He tells the bellhop to put Storm in the meat locker, and then the bellhop does. Does. Yeah. I'm sorry. But there's no way that that bellhop is getting paid enough for that. I was just going to say, all I can tell you is he's not making enough money to cover up fucking murders. Yeah. Or suicides or of any, <laughs> deaths of any kind. Yeah. No. If your job is to hide a body, you better specifically be in the body hiding business. Yeah. Otherwise, don't do it. And have been like, fuck you, boss. Also, if you're in the body hiding business, maybe career change. <laughs> Um, did you know you're a bad person? <laughs> waggling my finger at you now. Alrighty. <laughs> you need to find you some Jesus. If it helps. <laughs> some of you Pataks need Kalis. <laughs> uh, you know, if that's what it takes to get them to not be murderous fuckbags, then I'm totally on board. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Religion. Woo. Some of you some of you bogus people <laughs> need Keanu. Bogos? No. Bogo that no. makes them sound like buy one yeah. get one freeze. Um. <laughs> but no, some of you bogus people need Keanu. Yeah. More Reeves in your life. Whoa. Whoa indeed. <laughs> and we head back to the lobby. Getting all over, all up in this hotel. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. (laughs) (laughs) I can never hear that without thinking of Mr. Burns. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. (laughs) Oh, that's a deep pull. Oh, God. We might be children of the 90s. (laughs) Smithers like, "Mm, yes, sir. (laughs) So the guy that was watching the uh, the McCarthy hearings is the screenwriter, and the actor is the uh, the taller of the gay guys, the one that was wearing the robe yep. uh, from upstairs, and they're talking to each other about this suicide that everybody's heard about now. Yep. And boy, do they flip flop faster than Donald Trump on a completely normal day, <laughs> which I don't think I need to tell you is fucking fast. Yeah. It's really <laughs> fucking fast. He's like the fastest flip flop in the flip flop. You didn't even know that I flipped because I didn't flip flop. That's how fucking fast he flip flops. <laughs> or did I? I'm flip flopping right now while I don't flip flop. Take it. I got nothing. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're talking about the suicide. They're like, they're not even going to report it. Oh, no. Well, why should they? You want the popo snooping around your shit? Well, they'd probably murder me if they did to find out that I was gay. So never mind. Flip flop. <laughs> Trump style. <laughs> Pan over to... Uh, some older guy on the couch who's hearing the voices, duh yep. voices, and the voices are like, "Are you sure you're safe in here? Maybe it wasn't suicide." And he's like, "Yeah, you're right, voices." Oh, no, those <laughs> that, voices in my head might be onto something. <laughs> That's funny. I was already thinking that, and you've confirmed my suspicions. <laughs> 
You're a very helpful voice. Where can I tip you? <laughs> Do you take Venmo? <laughs> oh, it's the 50s. Uh, fucking cash app only. It's it's also the year 2000. <laughs> no Venmo regardless. <laughs> right. Do you ever find it PayPal. interesting and PayPal. odd when watching an old ass TV show from 21 years ago that is flashbacking to and even even further, further back. time back? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Remember when they tried to make that 80s show after the success of Ugh. that 70s show? God, that was so bad. No, that's right. Nobody remembers that because <laughs> there was like one episode and it was terrible. It was terrible. I didn't actually see it, but I heard it was also, terrible. Also, they started that 70s show in like 76, I think was the first year. Really? That, like it took place. And then um, it ran seven seasons. The first, whatever year Star Wars released is the year that, that the first season takes place. Is that when they go see Star Wars is the first season? Yeah. Huh. First season. Because I remembered that they did that in the show. Well, the, I guess the, never mind, that's a tangent, we don't need to go there. No, I was going to say, one season doesn't have to mean a whole year anyway. Right. Just because it's a sitcom, it doesn't matter. I don't see Angel putting on tights. Oh, now I do, and it's really disturbing. Protecting young women such as yourself? Oh, yeah, there's been uh, four. And three of them are very much alive. So cut to outside of an observatory. Yeah. Where for whatever reason, Judy and Angel are both at this observatory independently, separately. Angel's just taking in the nighttime scenery skyscape and smoking a cigarette. Oh, Judy nails it as to why they would be there and why there's a bunch of people there because that fucking place has air conditioning in the 50s, my friend. Well, I was getting there. <laughs> yeah, but other than that, it seems like kind of a random ass location choice. But she explains that she's there uh, getting some nice astronomy lessons or whatever because it's cheaper than a movie. Yeah. And uh, that sounds really nice, actually. Like, the only place we can do anything remotely similar is at the museum downtown yeah. but it's not an observatory it's a planetarium planetarium yeah which is basically it's like an imax theater because it's just a dome shaped yeah. screen and seats that lie back so you can look up um but i've never been to uh this thing that they were at observatory an observatory so i don't even know what that would be like i've been to an actual observatory Okay. It's fucking amazing. I assume that this was an actual observatory. I think I think this is like a, one of the... Plan, I think it's more like a planetarium kind of thing. But... Because they, they talk about talking, a show that they're doing. Kept talking about a show. So and I think it's a planetarium. And that the world ends in 10 minutes. I assume there yeah. was like a presentation on the Big Bang. Yeah. Nothing to do with the fucking TV show. Thanks. Yeah. So... <laughs> Anyway, that sounds super nice. Air conditioning, end of the world. Sounds like Simon Pegg should be there. He'd really like it. <laughs> anyway, she chats at Angel a bit while he's playing the aloof, strong, silent, broody type. And gosh, this girl must have a type, though. Excuse me, you seem like the violent, emotionally unavailable type. Well, as you know, I'm recently single, and frankly, I don't see what could possibly go wrong with getting involved with the likes of you. <laughs> I mean, he did beat up someone else to protect her, so... 
there's that. That's totally how you should start all relationships, though. Absolutely. That's where I was going with that. I'm glad we agree. (laughs) So They'll be together forever. (laughs) For the kids, though. (laughs) They start discussing the suicide, and she says, can you imagine that wallpaper being the last thing you ever see? And Angel quips, maybe it was the wallpaper that drove him to it. (laughs) Ah, right. Yeah, that was a good one. But so she she finally leaves him alone and goes inside. I think she may have blow torched through that iron and ice shackle around his heart ever so slightly. Because as she walks (laughs) away, he turns back and looks at her about a quarter of an inch. You know, a substantial amount for a man of his level of stoicism. Yes. Not only that, but he talked voluntarily using more than one word that man is in love luv (laughs) or as in love as someone can be while still being very very sad (laughs) know what i mean and alone (laughs) yeah he's got it bad (laughs) shoot him now because he's got the love sick so those damsels in distress do it for him every time every time (laughs) cut back to cordelia investigations Yes, where uh, Wesley and Cordy are trying to figure out the timeline for the hotel. Practicing the long-lost art of pile arrangement. And this is where they mention 1954 because the, they mentioned that the bellhop was arrested for murder in 1952, was sentenced to death and executed in 1954. That is correct. So they were looking all over the 1950s but did not pick up that the fucking McCarthy hearings happened later. Yeah, maybe it was just a misprint by by the newspapers. Yeah, that's what it was. Someone didn't do their homework is what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. And so they end up putting the shit in the 52 folder, I think. It doesn't matter. I got a quote of the day here. Cordy's like, it's kind of like a puzzle. The who died horribly because Angel <laughs> screwed up 50 years ago game. Like, that sounds like a fun game. That yeah. needs to be a drinking game, Cordy. <laughs> <laughs> How about every time you don't solve the puzzle, you drink a whole bottle of vodka? <laughs> that sounds horrible. First one to die of alcohol poisoning wins. <laughs> I don't like the idea of that game at all. You know what? Most drinking games might as well go that way. <laughs> I mean, yeah. There's a reason I don't fucking play drinking games. I fucking hate drinking games. I, th- I played my last drinking game last summer, and I just won't anymore. Yeah. Done. Nope. Too Fuck old that. for that shit. I was too old for that shit when I wasn't too old for that shit. We were, we were all too old for that <laughs> shit when we weren't too old for that <laughs> shit. Cut over to the lobby. The lobby, where everyone is talking about murder. Murder. So the actor and who I, the woman who I presume is an actress. Yeah. And a screenwriter dude, same one. And the dude who had overheard the conversation from before. Oh yeah, the old the older yep. guy that's paranoid that he's not safe. They're all gossiping over the suicide saying it was a murder because it was too nonchalant or something. Like he asked for some pretzels at the bar and then went and killed himself because they didn't have any or something. No, I think he was just talking about how the dude asked for peanuts or something. Peanuts, that's what it was. Yeah, asked for peanuts and and the fucking, the actor was like, he asked for peanuts. That's not somebody who wants to commit suicide. Who's thinking about peanuts if you're wanting to off yourself? That 
makes no sense. Not the greatest argument I've ever heard. No. No one makes any good arguments in this episode. Nobody wants peanuts as their last meal. Maybe somebody well, does. I don't know. Someone loves peanuts out there. Well, lots of people do, but they don't want it as their whatever. So the the bigger argument was that his door was locked from the inside right. when they found him, and the gun obviously was still in his hand. I mean, yeah. that's an easy enough thing to fake. Didn't really strike me as an argument either, but the door was locked from the inside, and that's a hard one to pull off. Cut back to Angel's hallway. Boy, I hope you brought some food pellets and some knitting needles, because <laughs> here comes the drama llama. <laughs> Sticking its, <laughs> sticking its tongue out at you going, Bleh! you need a sweater? I'm going to be your sweater. <laughs> Judy's like, hey, hey, you, Angel, come here. I have a whole lot of not your business to put at your feet. <laughs> I've got a whole llama in here all to myself. We're going to knit the shit out of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> and Angel's like, I'm down for that. <laughs> I haven't knitted a llama in a long time. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so <laughs> he goes in. Unbeknownst to him, there's no fucking llama. <laughs> there's just a big bag of money. What a fucking letdown. <laughs> and she's scared the police are going to show up and investigate this suicide as a possible murder. And if she runs, it'll be suspicious. But if she stays, they might find this gigantic bag of money. And then she proceeds to open right the fuck up about why she has this big bag of money. All right, all right, all right. So here's what you do, Judy. How do you feel about cocaine? Never mind. It was a joke. I'm kidding. <laughs> What's cocaine? Where's that? You know how many llamas you could buy with that money? <laughs> Christ. At least more than three. <laughs> you could buy a brick of cocaine for each of those llamas. <laughs> we got to go buy llamas so that we can trade them for bricks of cocaine. So... <laughs> how do you feel about cocaine what never mind um no but seriously angel figures out that her anxiety has something to do with the pi that he fucked up yeah that's right the guy was a private investigator not her boyfriend mm -mm. yeah that guy that he took care of for her and fucked off into the elevator yep and she stole a bunch of money and then i hate it when people do this where they're like they give a nugget of information as like here's something for you to ask me about and then when you don't ask about it they're like well aren't you gonna ask me about that or you could just tell me ask, anyway right like you obviously want to tell me how about you just fucking tell me yeah not Make at a me dinner fucking table have to ask about it this isn't a dinner table you don't have to politely ask to pass the butter right we have robots for that so yeah she explains that she was fired from her job at a bank she was engaged to be married but then the bank found out her big dark secret and they fired her and then her fiance heard about it and then he dumped her and the big scary secret is that she's actually half black. But no, her, her big issue is that they found out that she's part black or half. Is it half? Right. Like her dad was black. Like 
but well, she's passing for white because she's clearly got zero melanin in her fucking skin. Yeah. The way they fucking phrased it, though, like she looks at Angel and she's like, I've been passing for quite a long time now. I, and I'm like, are you a dude? Like, I honestly thought she was going to say I was born a man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I think and that's just part of like, oh, when we think passing, we think of, you know, trans women or trans men passing. Yeah. I've been talking a lot about this because one of my best friends is trans and they're in the middle of that whole process, which is bizarre and weird and adventurous in interesting, odd ways. I know that's weird phrasing. I'm trying not to make really inappropriate comments right now. The point being is the phrasing of passing is like, I think that's just a, a, a sign of times because today it means something very different than that well i mean you can apply the term passing to passing for anything i guess for passing as something that you're not is all that it means and uh regardless so apparently she had everything before that before they fired her she had a nice job and a man that she was gonna marry and that was really about all she listed but then she got fired and she panicked so she ran off with this big bag of money and i'm like whoa wait i'm sorry why didn't you just not worry about being fired you're still passing for white which yeah. means you get all that tasty tasty white privilege worst case scenario move to a different city Right. Because now a couple of people know that you have black relatives. Well, and hey, turns out you didn't want to marry that dude anyway. Yeah. Sounds like these people were dicks and you needed yeah. nothing to do with them anyway. This makes me think of uh, a quote from John Green. It's not a reference to the racism here, but it is a reference to... Being in relationships with people that have ideas that are fundamentally different than yours. Uh, a fan of his wrote in to ask advice about her boyfriend who doesn't like smart girls. And he said the Venn diagram of guys who don't like smart girls and guys you shouldn't date is a circle. <laughs> and I like that phrasing. Yeah. <laughs> guys that you don't want to date... And guys who have an issue with the race of your family members is a circle. Mm -hmm. You didn't want to marry him anyway, Judy. He wasn't worth your time. Just move to another city. Or, I guess, alternatively, steal a big bag full of money. Murder everybody. Oh, we had different ideas there, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, um, doot -doo -doo -doo, moving along. <laughs> So Angel is uh, very sympathetic to her plight. Yeah. And uh, he's like, well, fear makes people do stupid things, which she completely takes the wrong way, of course. Yep. She's like, I know, I'm so stupid. And he's like, no, I meant them. They're stupid for being scared of you, for being black. Look how black you are. <laughs> fucking white bitch. <laughs> I'm so black. Yeah, you sure are, honey. God. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> was this really a thing? I don't know. I mean, okay, yeah, racism was exponentially worse in the 50s than it is now. Yeah. Or at least more brazen, but... Well, it was more acceptable. Yeah. 
My question is, how progressive are we supposed to feel like this episode is? <laughs> um, right. Because their big deal is that some white lady with black lineage is in trouble because she's an idiot. <laughs> Pretty much. That's really all this is uh. about. It's not entirely moving me to tears no. for her plight. No. Oh, you poor thing. Gosh, uh. Golly gee. <laughs> oh, man. Cry into your big bag of money. We're going to have to start a fucking <laughs> GoFundMe for nothing. Well, we got to wait 20 years. No, wait. No, we have to wait 50 years because she's in the 50s. Yeah. <laughs> well, we just because we need to raise up all that money so she can give the other money back. Yeah, so that she's not in trouble well, anymore. And she she's even like, how about I just leave the leave the money at the bank and you know disappear and they won't they won't come looking for me. You then, know what? Will Frankly, they? that probably would have worked. Yeah, like it's the fucking fifties. They don't have internet. No one can Google you. They're thinking they're not going to find you. Just get a fucking fake ID and disappear. And honestly. Keep a little bit of the money. They <laughs> give most of it. They probably don't know exactly how much they you don't took. Know how much was in there? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Anyway, Angel to the rescue. I can hold a note for a long time. Actually, I can hold a note forever. But eventually, that's just noise. It's the change we're listening for. The note coming after and the one after that. That's what makes it music. Yeah, so she feels lost and, like, nothing. She's like, I just feel like I'm nothing because I'm caught between two different worlds and I'm not really either of them. And, and okay, no, she's she's really not. But that's how she feels. So, fine, let's go with that. And Angel, of course, relates to her being a vampire with a soul and everything. Yes. Therefore, he must first find someone's plight relatable before he wants to help them. Right? Or at least... 1950s angel feels that way. I guess. Yeah. He's he's certainly not woke yet. No. Pretty he looks pretty sleepy this whole episode. Yeah. Past him anyway. <laughs> um so he's like, "Oh, I got a plan. We're going to we're going to hide the money." I liked how he picks up the bag of money and looks at her and is like like he's going to do something with the money, and I almost was like, "He's just walk away with it, angel." <laughs> just leave with it and it's fine like she, if she doesn't have the money it's not, not her problem they can't prove it they and obviously kind of wanted him to run away with it <laughs> they obviously don't know that she has the money right if they aren't sending the police after her but i my point is, is i really wanted him to run away with the money i wanted that to be canonically how he is living to this day oh yeah <laughs> and or how he affords to buy the hotel well, he, he finds the money in the very next scene. Right. But, like, I really wanted him to, yeah, like, what I keep meant, the money. He hides the money, and then when he finds it in this next scene, he uh, well, that probably is how he buys the hotel. Yeah, maybe. I wonder, because we still haven't seen Billionaire Dude since they did not throw him a bone at all. <laughs> no. And they just let him leave awkwardly. <laughs> <laughs> Dicks. <laughs> so mean. He'll be back. 
Yeah, probably. He'll be back. They're always but they always come My back. point is is we kept we've constantly asked like how the fuck does Angel afford to live and I kind of wish that this was had been the solution and they're like, "Hey, let's have some flashback scenes of how Angel affords to live." He probably hid the money because he already had a couple bags of money. Yeah, from other situations He's like paying this. for this fucking hotel room somehow. Exactly. So anyway, they take the money down into the basement. And he hides it up in the rafters of the basement. And there's whispers going on this whole time. And this is when she's like, oh, what if I just return the money? (laughs) The money will be fine here at least until the police have gone. I can't go to jail, Angelus. I'm too pretty and free like a bird. A pretty, pretty jailbird. That's totally the voice that needed to be applied to Judy. (laughs) (laughs) But what if I give it back? They'll be lenient, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. I'm totally. pretty sure that's it. He didn't look distracted at all. <laughs> so cut to the Today Times, which is actually 20 years ago. <laughs> Anytime I wrote today or current time, I'm like, that's that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> so while he's busy not paying attention to her, he's like, there's something here. Something making people crazy. Maybe it's the wallpaper. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely the wallpaper, Angel. It's tasteless. Uh, Cut to the Today Times where Angel finds the bag of money still in its hiding spot. Yeah. I want to find a big bag of money still in its hiding spot. Right? I could really use that right now. What would you do with 50s money, though? Nobody would take that. You'd Uh, be like, this isn't real. No, you can get that shit authenticated, dude. Huh. Like, you can take it to a bank and be like, hey, look, I found this big bag of money. Finders keepers. <laughs> no, like, seriously, if like, if you if you fucking find, like, buried treasure or some shit, that you get to claim it. You actually get to claim it. Hmm. Like, if you own a house and you find a fucking box of money in your house that was who the fuck knows where it came from. Yeah. That's just yours now. U.S. granted money does not expire. That's At true. All. That's true. Yeah. Well, that's fun. So we head back to Cordy's apartment where Wesley is going on about the potential pattern here, but he can't quite put his finger on it. <laughs> Sweet British Jesus on a pogo stick. There's clearly some sort of maleficent force at work here. Absolutely haunting, figuratively, of course. The poor people at this hotel, but unfortunately, there's no godly way to ever know what in the hell it could possibly be. Cordelia, nobody, not you, not Angel, not me, especially... <laughs> because I am the smartest one here. <laughs> it's a Thessalac demon. It feeds on innate insecurities. Are you implying that I have innate insecurities? <laughs> Angel's on the phone. He's like, hey guys, guess what? I actually didn't need your research at all because I already knew literally everything about this fucking hotel. Joke's on you. But I thought it would help with the exposition while I wandered around being broody. Did it work? To be fair, he says, I wanted you to look into it because I wanted you to figure out where the demon went. But that being the case, he could have given them a little bit more direction and said, Hey guys, there's a demon that was here in 1952. I want to know if it's either A, still here, or B, somewhere else. He also could have just gone there first to check. Right? 
Yeah. No, he literally just gave them expository duty. It wasn't even research duty. Well, he didn't realize that the demon was still there till he pulled the money out of the fucking rafters and he heard the whispers. And whose fault is that? Completely his. Well, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, he's like, now, now get your asses down here and bring gun, because we got ourselves an old-fashioned raisin spell to get done. <laughs> he needs the big gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Wesley's like, oh dear, I'll get right on the research. How about you get your ass right on the useless wagon, Wesley, and get your ass down here and bring donuts. Man needs donuts. Yeah. Cut over to the bookstore. <laughs> Angel walks in and he's like, you there, nerd. <laughs> uh, he was a beatnik. Yeah, he was a hipster beatnik. Yeah. Dude had a, a fucking soul patch. He did. And a turtleneck. And he called him daddy. Right. I was like, oh, come on. But that was clearly all a cover up for being a nerd. <laughs> and, well, uh, it was a bookstore. He that, you know, he's supposed to be a nerd. Exactly. And then Neard is like, back, foul demon! Yeah, precisely that. Yeah, and Angel's like, I am so thirsty, you don't even want to try me right now, Junior. Angel steps up, and he's like, oh, I need this and this. And he's like, oh, okay. And he gets up, walks around the corner, and he's like, I have the book right here. And he tosses Angel a book, and it happens to be the Bible. <laughs> so, you know, his his hands start smoking. Yeah, I liked that. That was a fun trick. He jumps down, grabs a cross... Jumps up, spins around, Angel's missing. He runs out the door, starts screaming about how he's going to move in. He's going to set up a bedroll. And then you fuckers can't get in my goddamn shop because I'll live here. <laughs> it's not because I'm homeless or anything like that. <laughs> it has nothing to do with living at my mother's house. No, I don't, I don't think it does. <laughs> so... Uh, but Angel pops up behind him, yep. gets him in a chokehold. He's like, knock your stupid shit off. Yeah, fucking quit it, man. That, that's so not cool of you. Thought you were cool, Denver. <laughs> Thought you were one of the cool kids, Denver. I really liked your poetry, but now I just can't get into it anymore. <laughs> I've never been good at separating art from the artist. <laughs> know what i am good at separating artists from their lives <laughs> okay man okay and they head into the back room for not murder not definitely not murder no definitely no. not murder <laughs> back to the hotel where there's murder yeah or hey. at least body hiding <laughs> <laughs> look how paranoid everyone is he did it no you did it no i did it you fuckers wait i mean she did it <laughs> i have a quote of the day here from the bellhop so the bellhop comes into the room and he's talking about how he struggled to get the body in the meat locker. And he says, I just had to make him fit. No chance I get in trouble for that, is there? None at all. No, sirree, Bob. The, the concierge replies with, oh, don't be paranoid. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but everyone's paranoid. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's not going to work, though, because there's this demon. But also, you'll totally get in trouble for hiding a body. Yep. Don't hide bodies. Don't do it. It's bad. You don't hide the bodies. You eviscerate them. Yes. And then you can hide it in plain sight. Like yes. the sewer or something. Ew. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah pretty much everyone's fucking arguing yeah everyone's like you murdered him no you murdered him 
That's pretty much that. Yeah, basically. Cut over to Judy's room upstairs. Yep, where she's hearing the whispery whispers. Yep, she's she's also getting the paranoia. She's like, <laughs> paranoia. <laughs> paranoia is bad, okay? <laughs> and she's like, you're right. You'll never last in prison. You're too pretty, Judy. <laughs> and who's going to take care of your llamas? <laughs> We'll take care of your llamas. <laughs> You're just trying to get my llamas. Damn right we are. <laughs> we want sweaters. <laughs> it's cold in this non-comporeal state. <laughs> exactly. I have no body fat. Zero body fat. <laughs> my tentacles are freezing. Oh. <laughs> Ghostly, slimy tentacles. So, there's still a place in this world for traditional research. Solitary soldier such as myself recognizes that a free exchange of intelligence benefits the common struggle. Also, I brought in your mail and newspaper. Cut back to the bookstore. Denver's just sitting on the stairs now, and Angel's yeah. rifling through his books and being rather demanding. Yeah. Uh, well, Denver goes over the the needed ritual because there's a ritual to make the demon corporeal. You have to make well. He needs to either be fattened up to become corporeal, or you need to do a dangerous ritual to make him become corporeal. One or the other, definitely. I vote dangerous ritual. Yeah. You know, so the demon doesn't get to eat a bunch of people. Also, giant fucking axe. Yeah. But huh, he's like, so yeah, you, you could kill it with this giant fucking axe, but why would you want to? Angels like guilt, my good man. Pure, unadulterated, sweet, sweet guilt. The nectar of the gods. You should try it sometime, you insignificant <laughs> little book man. <laughs> you know, this would have been a perfect time to have this character come back. To later in another episode, have Angel end up having to come back to this bookstore and see this dude, but as an old man. That'd be fun. Right? I like that idea. That would be fucking cool. Yeah. But they didn't. No. They that didn't. we know of. Back to the hotel lobby where the PI, the private investigator, enters. And he's like, excuse me, all you wretched wankers. I thought you lot might all be able to shut your horse traps just long enough for me to tell you, for you to tell me where this fucking woman is. She's black, you see. I know she doesn't look like it. As you can at all see from this picture, <laughs> she seems to lack the melanin. <laughs> to be traditionally considered black, but I swear to you, it's quite obvious. And because I'm a man, you have to listen to me. <laughs> God. But that's kind of true, though, in the times, right? He is a man, honey. I think we should listen to him. I think you're right, honey. He also has a gun. I always respected a man with a gun. <laughs> Reminded me very much of his cock. Honey, can you say that? No, but I'm a man and you should respect my... Oh, we're done. <laughs> you see how it's just kind of a snake eating its own tail there. Uh. <laughs> so <laughs> back to the... I like what they did here. It really kind of threw me for a loop, though. Because yeah, me too. Angel, a Angel comes... 1952 Angel comes walking into the lobby and the fucking lobby is empty. And I'm like, where the fuck is everybody? Uh-huh. They were just in there yelling at each other. Only moments ago. And then the camera cuts to the door as the fucking 
in Angel Investigations crew walks in and we go back to Angel and it's modern Angel standing where 1952 Angel was. Yeah. And it, it was a really cool editing to to make the jump back to to modern day. And then I, I he, liked it. he had some snort, some sort of snazzy line, some sort of snazzy line, like, let's get this demon. Yeah. It's home alone again. <laughs> Two. <laughs> Donald Trump's in that one, too. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Where isn't that motherfucker? Christ. In the White House. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank Keanu for that. Right. (sighs) (laughs) So we cut to the ritual. Yeah. Yeah. So angels. Uh, So uh, you only approve it when when you do it. huh? That's correct. I see how it is. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Three, two, one. The ritual. Sure. See, (laughs) isn't it annoying when I make you do that? I don't care. (laughs) God damn it. Cut back to... uh, The ritual. (laughs) Yeah, Angel's rather excited about it. Yes. Um, Man, I can only imagine knocking something off of the checklist that's been nagging at you for 50 years. Yeah. Yes, please. Right. (laughs) And Wesley asks Gun for the orb for this ritual, and Gun's like, This is one of my quotes of the day. This is one of my quotes of the day. Because he's he's reading in the book and he's going over the ritual and he like looks over at Gunn and he snaps his fingers at him. <laughs> oh, and okay. And he says, Orb of Ramjaran? And Gunn, Gunn looks up and says, Orb of Ramjaran, please, makes it happen. <laughs> I See, I didn't notice he snapped his fingers. Yeah. I would have taken issue with that as well. And then he goes on to be like, and you have to be very careful with it. It's very fragile. And Gunn just tosses it to him. <laughs> Wes is like, Angel, tell him to stop doing it. <laughs> Guys, don't listen to the demon. It's just telling you the bad things. And then the true line, the true quote of this scene, though, is Cordy is like, they were like this all the way over here in the car. And Angel's like, oh. Oh. Um. <laughs> Oh, dear. (laughs) So Wesley does some mild chanting holding the orb, and we see some viscous, translucent, ethereal shit forming by the door. Yeah. Cut back to old-timey time. Angel comes out of the elevator on floor two in his uh, hallway. Where all the angry people are yelling at Judy. Look at all the angry people yelling at Judy. (laughs) Where do they all belong? Uh, And (laughs) In their rooms or the lobby, goddammit. Seriously, though. There are way too many people in this hallway. That is a fire hazard. (laughs) And with the fact that everyone smokes, poof, up in flames in a matter of moments. It's amazing any (laughs) of us are still alive, frankly. (laughs) Right. So... (laughs) Judy's being taken by the angry, paranoid mob. As he approaches, he puts his bag down, and he's about to try and help her, and then she fucking accuses him. And the mob just eats that shit right up, and they take him instead, like, fucking immediately. They're like, that makes perfect sense. It's clearly him. This white woman has said something, and it must be true. The white woman has spoken. (laughs) Wait, I thought she was black. Yes, the black white woman has spoken. (laughs) Um... (laughs) He had blood in his apartment. Couldn't they have at least casted somebody who it was remotely plausible? 
Like, maybe a little bit kind of plausible. That's just silly. (laughs) Racism doesn't exist anymore. Are you implying that it does? Yes! Flabbergastness is me. Anyway. how I feel right now. (laughs) They drag him to the lobby, and like all instances of the 1950s, they happen to have a fucking noose handy. I bet you they knew how to tie one in a heartbeat. (laughs) Were those things kept behind, like, the the fire... (laughs) The fire hose glass, like, around every corner. (laughs) I think that's just what was holding up one of the chandeliers. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Someone thought ahead. (laughs) But yeah, they hang him. They string him up. It's a squirrely fucking goddamn bellboy. Psycho. He's a fucking psycho. String him up. (laughs) A Weasley, Weasley psycho. Yeah. And the way he's chewing gum all the time. Oh, I swear to God, everybody, watch the Hudsucker Proxy. And that's the proper bellboy character that this character was supposed to be and completely fell short of. But I'll still... Fucking check it out. He's a I nutsy will. fuck. It's probably not free on any streaming services, though. Couldn't tell you. No idea. But yeah, he's super happy about Angel getting hung. But the moment the Angel is hung, everyone seems kind of upset. <laughs> like, oh... Well, that was anticlimactic. That just got a little too real for me. (laughs) Oh, dear. Guess we'll head back to our rooms. Yeah. Smoke and have coffee. That's what we do. It's the 1950s. That escalated quickly. Yeah. (laughs) Judy's obviously really upset that they just hung Angel. And the bellhop, like, looks over at her and is like, what? What are you upset about? I don't understand what the problem is. (laughs) He's the only one who isn't sad anymore super happy just hanging people this man has issues he's found his calling i guess it's a good thing we know that he gets arrested in what no this year like tomorrow well he gets sometime this year to me it was hinted that he got he gets arrested for the murder of the salesman right because he hit the body which tells me that's Probably, like, within the next couple of days from this particular incident. And then he'll be, you know, executed two years from now. Yep. And so Angel casually and depressingly (laughs) removes himself from the rope and falls to the floor. I really liked how they did this. He's obviously standing on a platform, but... When he pulls himself off the rope, yeah. But otherwise, he was uh, hanging on a harness. Right. The way his body moves when he, like, grabs the rope and lifts himself up, he's actually just, like, standing up. Right. But, obviously, that would be extremely difficult to lift your body weight with one fucking arm. Right. But, like, my point is, is, like, you can tell with the way his shoulders and everything move. Like, he did not lift himself. Yeah. But, yeah, he he lifts himself, pulls the noose off his neck, drops to the floor... And then the demon manifests because he's fat and happy. Well, he just had fucking Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Um, And some. And he decides to have a little chat with Angel. He's like, ooh, boy, you thought you made a friend. Well, guess what? You did. (laughs) And that's what made it so goddamn delicious. What a a beautiful dance. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Is it a fucking dance or is it food? You can't (laughs) eat a dance. Unless. (laughs) Unless. <laughs> we do have a restaurant called Food Dance Cafe. 
There is one, in fact, here. Here in Kalamazoo. I don't know if... It is overly pricey. Yeah. (laughs) Ah, joke achieved. Okay, what's next? (laughs) So, (laughs) Angel's like, eh, fuck them, you can have them. They hurt my feelings. You should kill them all. (laughs) They were mean to me. That's what my... They made me dead. That's what my soul is telling me. (laughs) Right. They were mean to me. And so he leaves them all to the mercy of this goddamn demon. I mean, he had a, a big, long villain speech that oh, amounted yeah. to nothing other than, I'm evil. So. I'm with Wolfram in heart. Everybody should have a lawyer like this. Mr. Winters shall never be convicted of any crime. Ever. Should you continue to harass our client, you'll be forced to bring it in the light of day. I want that stricken from the record. Place I'm told that's not all that healthy for you. Cut back to new timey time. Yeah. Demon pops out. The the ritual works. He's manifested and he starts taunting them all. Especially Wesley. <laughs> especially Wesley. You're all paranoid. Especially you. What, what do you mean? What do you mean? Why especially me? Why? <laughs> I'm not paranoid, am I? Dear God. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, he has guns shoot him with a crossbow. And then he grabs a, a tentacle and shoves it in a light socket. Yeah, because now that Angel needs this building for his own personal gain, now it's time to take out that fucking demon. Not for the sake of all of those people that (laughs) were under his influence and therefore hurt his feelings. Yeah. (laughs) But damn it, he needs that building. So Demon Boy goes zappity zap. Well, he has pleasant feelings about living in that building for some reason. I mean, he liked Judy. Yeah. She was cool, you know. Till she called him a communist or something. No, she called him a monster because he had blood in his room. Oh, right. Blood. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's just a hemophiliac and needs blood to survive. Yeah, that seems likely. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they electrocute the demon. He goes poof. Oh, no. <laughs> then, no, oh, you're killing me. No, I'm dead. Wesley's like, What did he mean, especially that one? (laughs) (laughs) Tell me what he meant or I'll kill you all in your sleep before you kill me in my sleep. Ah! (laughs) I'm on top of things. Angel realized when the demon manifested and what he was saying, he realized that the demon was still feeding somehow. Yeah. And he uses this knowledge to surmise that, hey, guys, nobody knows whatever happened to Judy. Could she maybe somehow still be in her room? He did say that she was a succulent enough meal for a lifetime. So turns out she's still in her room. Look at that shit. 214. Somehow. Somehow. Still alive. Don't fucking get me started on the logistics of how the fuck she managed to survive for 50 years in a haunted building, which for 21 of those years has been closed and abandoned. And didn't have electricity. Yeah. Because Angel had to turn the electricity back on. But regardless of any of that, as one might imagine, she's elated to see Angel's face. Yes. Albeit confused that he hasn't changed even a little. But he assures her that he has. Yes. (laughs) And Uh, he has. 
He has grown and changed. And yeah. He's a better person you know, now. She meant like you don't look any well, older. Yeah. But his hair is slightly different and he has a much nicer coat. That is true. Well, whatever. One way or another. Good for her. The voices are gone and she's yeah. going to go outside now. Right after a quick lie down. Yeah. We're going to have. She's going to nap a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I he guess. Helps that, her to the bed. I guess that last 50 years haven't been particularly restful, no. have they? I think she's moved much. No. And Angel forgives her for getting him killed because he fucking better. Right. If anything, he should beg her for forgiveness for abandoning her for 50 years and letting everybody else in the building die. I'm sorry I let you live for 50 years with your guilt. Yeah. Over my murder. Over me. Which was not inconsequential. Over me not dying. Yeah. (laughs) He had a bruise on his neck for a minute. Boo-hoo! Exactly. I was sad, and you suffered the rest of your fucking life. But I forgive you. But I forgive you. (laughs) (laughs) Do you forgive me? Of course. Well, at this rate, he's got plenty of brood material for a long while. More than enough. (laughs) And uh, and then she's dead. It would appear that she's probably dead. So, hey, you know, Angel gets to keep all that money, right? That's how that works. Finders keepers. <laughs> so it was it was a touching scene, nevertheless. I'm sure it, the whole thing was a fantastic relief to Judy. Oh, I'm sure. You know, shitty life, but good death. What better way to end a shitty life? Well, than- the demon was obviously keeping her alive. And oh. she would have probably stayed alive for a very fucking long ass time long past that. Quite possibly. Back to the lobby. Wesley and Gunn and Cordy are kind of hanging out, waiting for Angel to get back downstairs and get another great Wesley line. I've been accused of a great many things in my time, but paranoid has never been one of them. Un- unless people have been saying it behind my back. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, I like what they did, but they yeah. they, they kept making the same joke, but it's, different yeah. ways, and it's it's well done. It's, I like that. They beat the dead horse in a very amusing manner. Exactly. <laughs> They're good at that. Now, my quote of the day here was a Cordy line. It starts with Cordy saying, because I, for one, will be glad to see the last of this place. Gives me the heebie-jeebies. Gun's like, no lie. Plus, it kind of got an odor to it. You notice that? <laughs> Cordy's like, 70 years of violence, mayhem, and paranoia. Bad vibes. Angel's like, we're moving in. I mean, a few throw pillows. What's not to love? (laughs) Yep. That's good 180. The final beat to the dead horse. Wesley walks up to Angel and says, Angel, you don't find me especially paranoid, do you? (laughs) Angel replies, not especially. (laughs) Oh, thank God. I was worried. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I thought this scene was hilarious regardless. He's like, damn uh, it, man. I'm sh- Surely you of all blood-sucking fiends, I mean, uh, friends, must know that this has been the epicenter of demons and shitty humans for more than 70 years. This is a house of evil. And it's now home. <laughs> well, duh, that's why I like it, Wesley. <laughs> Just kidding. It's about redemption or something. Wink. Ah, cheers. Quite right, old boy, as usual. (laughs) You don't think I'm especially paranoid, do you? Meh. (laughs) I don't not think you're not paranoid. (laughs) Right. 
Was that confusing enough? I don't know. The the logistics here, though, work. Because you have this big-ass old fucking building that you know the people who own it have been trying to offload it for 10 years. 10 years. So they're going to sell it for fucking nothing. Right. And you have a giant bag of money to purchase it. So it's basically a free mansion. Yeah, seriously. You get a free mansion. Angel's really good at finding free fucking mansions. Right. I want that skill. (laughs) If I could have one superpower... Finding free mansions wherever I go. Yeah. Yes, please. That sounds... (laughs) I'll take it. So, uh, Gerarg. Gerarg. Is this for me? I must be ready. I need my strength, strength. Give give, give me more! Nights, I shall walk in Hold on. You've got something here, huh? How'd you feel about this episode? I think this episode was inconsistent as fuck. Yeah. And it kind of, it kept reminding me of that one line from a review. Do you remember the the ninja character that did movie reviews? I am ninja. You are ninja. He is ninja too. You don't remember that? I don't know what that is at all. <laughs> okay. It's the ninja movie reviewer. <laughs> and he reviews Pirates of the Caribbean. And he did Pirates of the Caribbean 2, and he's like, everyone gets a plot line. You get a plot line. He gets a plot line. If you're a prop, you definitely get a fucking plot line. If you're an eyeball, that's a plot line. (laughs) You know what we're going to do? We're just going to take all the plot lines. We're going to shove them into a shotgun, shoot them at your face, and however they fall, that's the plot. (laughs) It's something like that. I don't know. And it just... This whole thing was just one big plot line for how they find this hotel. Yeah. And it wasn't particularly consistent. They couldn't even be buggered to get the title of the episode matched up to the years that they were talking about. Yes. Other than that, uh, I did find it entertaining. Uh, The moment where he gets hanged is extraordinarily memorable. That is one of few things I remember about the series from 15 some years ago. The last five, ten minutes-ish were not bad. Um, Before that, I was thoroughly fucking bored. Yeah, there there was no reason to do all of that flashing back. It was all just a big fucking exposition circle jerk. Honestly, I think the biggest problem with it was... The fucking cast that we know and love barely fucking in it. The angel that we see in 52 is not the angel that we love. It's a different person. You know, he's callous, just not the hero that we're expecting. And normally I would argue, hey, this is really showing us some great, decent backstory and really giving us some insight into how he became who he is. But no, no, this is actually showing us just a horribly callous moment and then not actually paying any heed to it. There was no redemption where he was like, I did this terrible thing and I need to make it right. He was just like, oh, hey, I found you. I forgive you. Fuck you. You forgive her. You don't get yeah. to forgive her. She did nothing to you. She was. She loved you. She was, and she, she was, was under the thrall. A victim. And she was under the thrall of this fucking demon that you chose not to take care of when you could have. 
And you had everything right there to do it. You didn't even have to fucking summon him. You could have just axed him while he was there. Yeah. Excuse me. I would like to (laughs) ask you a question. (laughs) Shrink. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what I thought you meant. This is ironic. But yeah, it, irony it, it complete. Is, dude, I didn't even have a good fucking line to write down for like the first two fucking thirds of the goddamn episode. Speaking of, what's your quote of the day? So my quote of the day is honestly going to be Gunn's line of Orb of Ramjaran, please makes it happen. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Okay, but I'm going to have to go with angel slime when he chucks the guy into the elevator <laughs> he's going down <laughs> also he never went down like obviously he went down <laughs> in the elevator but like he got no comeuppance not really no he well, got to hang angel in the end and he, didn't, he got away with it he didn't really need comeuppance per se he oh, was yeah. just after the girl for the money that she stole because he's a hired mercenary yeah pretty much it, it was a false pretense that he was an abusive boyfriend that is true yeah so she used him for that doesn't justify his being butthurt and letting her live her life in a torture right. state right yeah so, yeah, I guess to sum up, <laughs> we didn't particularly care for this episode. It's a pretty building. <laughs> yeah. It's a very pretty building. I, liked, I really like the set. I like what they did with the transitions. Yeah. I thought they did the 50s theme fairly well. The cinematography was good. The set is fantastic. Which, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned this, but they killed the previous set and moved to this set solely because... The previous Angel Investigations was so small of a space that they had a lot of trouble getting cameras to work huh. in different shots. I can see that. So they chose a giant fucking lobby. That's fair. And you know what? Hey, I guess we should put it in a hotel. It's also an upgrade because now anybody that wants or needs to can just take a room in the fucking hotel. Yeah. They have 68 fucking rooms. All of Gunn's people can stay there. Yeah. No problem. Maybe just, you know, help with utilities or something. Angel has a giant bag of money. I don't think anyone needs to help with utilities. Right? Also, well, I mean, you don't know that whole bag of money could be going to the building itself. We don't know. But. Also, he knows a billionaire. Let's assume it's not a problem. <laughs> um, Just saying, Cordelia could move out of her haunted apartment, but she seems to love Dennis. So I'm yeah. not, I'm not no, worried about no, it. No. We like Dennis. Wesley seems like he needs a place to live. He might. You never know. Probably does. Anyway, this has been another episode of Ale with Angel. Uh, Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. If you want to buy some stuff that has our shit on it. Or (laughs) if you want to buy some shit that has our logo on it. (laughs) Head on over to store.beerwithbuffy.com. Soon enough, we're going to have a new store. And we're going to have very special... Ale with Angel logos, as well as Beer with Buffy logos. Yes, yes, yes. That Rex went ahead and took the liberty of doing up real nice-like. If you would like to throw your money out a window and into our mouths, where we will also expose our G-strings and do a little dance for you. Don't don't put money in your mouth. Yeah. That's disgusting. That's dirty, but you can put (laughs) your money in our G-strings. We will take that. That's also dirty, but in a different way. I'm not promising that you'll (laughs) like what you see. (laughs) 
but we'll have a lot of fun. That's the point here. To do that, go to patreon.beerwithbuffy.com. We still have a cat naming perk. We've probably got to name some ferrets soon, I think. Oh, yeah, I think so. Uh, if you want to help us and have nothing to do with money coming towards us or away from you, review us on iTunes. Seriously, do it. We'll give you a free sticker if you've got the courage to send us an address. <laughs> We're not stalkers, I swear. <laughs> if you ever have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at beerwithbuffy at gmail.com. You can do the same thing, but with a f- one of those newfangled phone-like devices <laughs> that does everything, including making phone calls. Specifically, at the number 269-743-0783, we also accept texts. Last but not least, big shout out and thank you to JJ Treadway for our opening theme music for Angel specifically, not necessarily for Buffy, and all of our transitional music. Thank you very much. This has been Ale with Angel. I'm Josh. I'm Rex. Have a good night. All I can think of is Thomas. Yeah. Just like Thomas. done why are we watching this <laughs>